And I don't want to spend a lot of time today just, just talking those kind of things because I had been studying a message that I wanted to preach and God wouldn't let me. You ever been in a place where you wanted to do something God said no? Now I'm going to tell you all one thing. I've got a message here that I can preach in about 20 or 30 minutes if you help me. If you don't say amen or you don't talk back to me, it's going to take me about two hours to get this message out. Is there anybody out there that can help me preach this morning? Amen. And I'm going to ask that again. Have you ever been in a place where you wanted to do something and the Lord said no? Amen. We've all been there. I wanted to preach something and make everybody want to shout. I love to shout, don't you? I love to see people dance, and when a preacher goes somewhere to preach, you want to see the, you know, the move of God like what we was having. Boy, I had me a good message on heaven I was planning, where we all can just sing and shout and have a good time. And the Lord kept taking me to a scripture that now I understand after coming in here and being in this service with you of why he brought me to this scripture. You're on a journey. You're going somewhere. You're looking for the mysterious, miraculous move of God in your life. I still believe in a power that's bigger than any problem you've got. I still believe in a miracle-working God that is greater than any difficulty that you may have. And I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. I don't care what the devil has told you. That lost son and that lost daughter and that wayward friend that is on drugs and hooked on all kind of pornographies and different things, those powers are not greater than the power of Almighty God. And I'm believing that we're going to see the miraculous. I'm believing that you're going to see wayward children come walking down these aisles and fall in this altar and pray back to salvation and see the miracles of God. I still believe He can open up blinded eyes and He can unstop deaf ears. Anybody here believe that? You see, I still believe in a God that can heal cancer and stop it in its tracks. I still believe in the miraculous, miracle-working power of God. But I'm not so sure that over the last several years our church has not started worshiping the miracles instead of worshiping God. Uh-oh. We love to see a move of God. But we want Him to do it on our time. Let us live like we want to live and let us do the things we want to do. It will not work that way. You have started on a journey. Your ears have to be open and your eyes have to be open to what's going on around you. Our world is in a terrible situation today. Our nation is in trouble. Our state is in trouble. Our town is in trouble. When men would rather believe a lie than believe the truth. When men call evil good and good evil. I've read and I've studied enough to know what that tells me. That soon and very soon, a trumpet's going to sound. 
And I'm going to have a plane air ride, not an airplane ride, but a plane air ride out of this place. But between now and then, it's going to be difficult, church. I know this man well enough. He's not preaching you pie in the sky and the sweet by and by kind of preaching. You're going to have to dig and you're going to have to plow and you're going to have to plant seed and you're going to have to work to see the miraculous. With saying that, turn with me in your Bibles if you can to Genesis chapter 3. Because I believe that the enemy has done everything in his power to hold us back from seeing the miraculous of God. Well, why? Because he knows God can do what we believe he can do. But we have these issues in our life that we allow. Now, I'm going to go ahead at this point and just stop. And pastor, please forgive me for saying this. But all of you that are perfect... If you would, go ahead and get you a cup of coffee or an apple juice and sit outside. Because I want to talk to those of us that are imperfect. Do I have any, any perfect people that need to excuse themselves, Or would all of us in here say, I know I need to grow a little closer? Amen? Raise your hand, Pastor. You need to grow a little closer. Amen. Did God really say? Genesis 3, beginning in verse number 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Put your finger right there. Has God indeed said, This is the beginning of of the temptation that Satan uses on not just sinners, but every born-again Christian. Has God really said? He makes you question the validity of your understanding of God's commandments. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now I want to say this right here. Eve had a clear understanding of what God said. And I'm going to say one other thing. Most of us in this room have a clear understanding of what God's Word says. Uh-oh. Can I just say to you, if God said it's sin, it's sin, whether you like it or not. Can I just stop here for just a moment and say, whatever God said in His Word is truth, and you cannot cause, to, you cannot find it to be a lie, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now if Eve didn't recognize that the serpent was bad before, she should have picked it up here. The serpent called her creator, her God, a liar. 
Why would she not recognize the trouble she was headed for? Let me just stop and just talk a minute. Many of us in this room today have fallen away from from some of the strong beliefs of the Word of God. Pastor, what are you talking about? I've had members, I'm sure you don't have any here, but I've had members that would say things to me like, well, Pastor, just just pardon my my French. I just have a few words that, you know, no, honey, if, if they're not in there, they won't come out. I've had members that's tried to convince me that, you know, just a little drink in the afternoon, just to settle my nerves, is okay. No, honey, it ain't okay. Oh, well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what I'm going through. Well, evidently, you don't know the God that I serve. Because the God that I serve is better than anything you can drink in the afternoon or after you get through cutting the grass just to have a cold one to make you feel a little bit better. See, that's the way that the enemy has come against the church today. We've started allowing things into our lives that should not be there. Can I tell you, after almost 40 years of ministry, I've never had an alcoholic come and sit across the table from me and tell me my plans in life was to become an alcoholic. Every one of them come to me and said, I just started drinking one with a meal, or I just started drinking one in the afternoon, and one became two. I've had people sit across from my desk and say this, and I had no plans on going here, but evidently somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. I've had parents come and cry to me and say, I've lost my son and I've lost my daughter to the alcohol because we allowed it in the house just for our comfort, but they saw us drink one, so then they started, and they can't control it, and they can't handle it like we can. It's one of the big biggest lies the enemy has brought against the church and it's time for the church again to go back to believing and standing on what is righteous and what is holy if we want to see the miraculous of God give God some praise in this place hallelujah verse 5 for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. Okay, I can't get far. I'm trying to speed up, but it ain't happening yet. If you study a sin too long, your flesh will overrule your thoughts and convince you that you must have it. Uh Uh-oh. That's why we are told in God's Word in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. My mom and daddy used to say it to me. If you even think that God would not be happy with you, stay away from it. Why we in the church are trying to be more like the world instead of teaching the world to be more like the church, I don't understand. And for some people, they think we need to act like the world so we can reach them. No, honey, they don't need more world. They need Jesus Christ in their life. And they need you standing for the truth. If you want to see the miraculous of God, we've got to clean our act up. 
I told you I wanted to preach about heaven. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And think about this. What if Eve had said, if my God says not to eat that fruit, then I'm not even going to look at it. How many times would that thought prevent any of us from making a mistake? How many times when you're sitting there and that person you got trouble with is bothering you? And the Lord says you need to walk away. And your flesh keeps telling you, oh no, you're okay. Just stay here a minute. And they say one more word and all of a sudden it just snaps. And what should have stayed in your mind comes out of your mouth. And you make things worse. I I don't know who I'm preaching to, but evidently you do. Verse 6. And a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. She didn't have to go find him. He was with her. And he ate. Now, a lot of people picture that Adam was tricked. I got to tell you all something. I got a six-year-old grandson. He's the cutest thing you've ever seen. His name is Ethan. I've got five grandchildren, and mine are more beautiful and smarter than any of yours, so don't even try to argue with me about that, just so that you know. But my grandson entered the first grade this year. Well, I always pick at my grandsons about girlfriends. I asked him the other day, I said, you made any friends at school? He said, yes, sir. I said, what's their name? And he said, you know, I don't know, John and, and whatever, three or four, you know, four boys' names. He told them to me. And I said, you got any girlfriends? He looked at me and said, now, Papa, they're tricky. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to get in trouble, but he, he said, they're tricky. Now, he's a first grader. (laughs) Forgive me, ladies. I love you, but I had to tell you what my grandson said. He knew, Adam knew what was going on. And he just turned down the opportunity to do the right thing. The godly thing. There will be a lot of people stand before God that was just like Adam. They weren't the ones that initiated the idea to sin. But yet they jumped on board the sin train as soon as it was offered. Maybe they think they won't be accountable. But Adam shared in the punishment along with Eve. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Once they bit the fruit, once they ingested the thing God forbade them to, once it entered the body made holy and pure by God Himself, everything changed. You cannot dabble in sin and speak in tongues at the same time. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. (laughs) 
You can't go out partying on Friday night and come in here and dance and shout in the Spirit of the Lord and speak in tongues on Sunday and think everything's okay. It will not work that way. Good and evil do not reside together. Can I get an amen in the house? Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is what sin does to Christians. It makes you try to hide from God. If you know you're not living by God's word, what do people do? They hide from God. You stop seeking a close relationship with God. You don't read your Bible as you should, or if you do, you select feel-good passages instead of passages that might bring conviction. You may attend church, but you feel separated from the body. Oh, I'm going to say something because I don't pastor here and he can fix it later. You start volunteering to do things that keeps you out of the auditorium while the message is going forth. You start leaving after the worship is done because you've already had church. Honey, you've got to have more than worship. If you don't get the word in you, you're not going to make it through the week. Amen, Brother Smith. I had a group one time that was working for me that was leading in worship, and every time that they got through singing, they all left and went to the coffee bar and sat and waited for the message to be over. So I gave them assigned seats. I told them, if you expect me to stand up and worship God when you're on the stage, honey, I expect you to stay in there and help me preach while I'm preaching. I'm doing better preaching than y'all are doing shouting right now. I can just tell you that because I'm trying to help us on this journey that pastor's taking us on to a deep relationship with God. Verse number 9. Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? I have to say that I cringe at the thought of Adam and Eve's confrontation with God. Surely they knew what they had done and the consequences of it. But it would be lying to say that I've never had one of those confrontations. I told you all the perfect people needed to leave a while ago. You see, that moment when we have to take ownership of the wrong that we have done. Do you just have a church full of perfect people? It's sure getting quiet all of a sudden. I've had, I'll just talk about me. 
I've had those moments when I've had to go before him and say, please forgive me for thinking what I was thinking. Please forgive me for saying what I was saying. Please forgive me for doing what I did because I would have never been able to have the relationship I have today if I was not willing to go back to him when I've made a mistake and said, Father, please help me. I'm sorry. You see, some of us forget this. When we get saved, we don't become perfect We just become freed from our sins. We're still living in a fleshly body. If you don't believe it, let somebody pinch you there next to you and see if you feel it, okay? As long as you can feel that pain, as long as you can hurt when things don't go right, we're going to battle the flesh inside of us. Salvation does not free you from the fight with the flesh. It increases that battle. And most of the time we will win. But every now and then we may slip up and make a mistake and we've got to be men enough and women enough to go back to the altar of God and say Father please forgive me and help me to be better somebody give him some praise in this place hallelujah are you ready to see God move in your life then you've got to be willing to make sure because as smart as you are You don't know everything. And God did not die and leave you in charge. Some of us have run our families away from God because we've been too mean to them. Bless God if you don't do what I say. That's just like throwing gas on a fire. You can do that in the daytime. You don't fight those battles at those moments with your children. When they come to your house, you fix them chocolate cake and banana pudding and dumplings and tell them how much you love them and how much you care about them. And then during the night, in the wee hours of the morning, you do spiritual battle against every enemy that's coming against your family and tell God you want to see them saved in the power of all. Almighty God, give him some more praise in this house today. Hallelujah. Then the man said, that woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, That serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, Adam and Eve did what all want to do. Pass off the blame of our actions to somebody else. Well, I used to be involved more at church, but I got my feelings hurt. Build a bridge and get over it. Well, pastor, you don't have much sympathy. I don't have sympathy for people that walk around with a chip on their shoulder waiting on somebody to knock it off. 
I don't come to church to work for Pastor Tim because I love him so much and I do something for the church. I do love Tim, but let me tell you something. When I enter these gates, there's one higher than Pastor Tim that I come in here to honor and I come in here to work for and I come to worship God and to honor God and do what I need to do. But you see, society now encourages that. Blame your problems on your mama. Your daddy, somebody else. We have been well educated that we can blame our actions on our raising. Well, they raised me that way. I was abused. My background is because of the money I have or the money I don't have. But God, listen to me, is a just God. And when we stand before Him, we will answer for our actions. God doesn't listen to past wrongs and grievances against us at that point because He offers healing today. He offers freedom today from anything that has hurt you or come against you. And it's up to you to accept that healing that He has offered. Can somebody give God praise in this house this morning? Well, how did Adam get to this place and how can we avoid it? You should be careful who you listen to. Eve's first big mistake was who she was listening to. Stay away from negative Nancy. I need to say that again. I only got one amen. Stay away from negative Nancy. And talking Tom. Anybody come up to you with a problem and start talking something, just grab them by the arm, say, I know where the answer is. Drag them right down this aisle, kneel them right here in this altar, put your arm around them, just start saying, oh God, they've got a problem and we're bringing it to you today. I'm doing some good pastoral preaching today. When you enter or entertain the idea of did God really say you're already trying to convince yourself that what you want to do is okay with God. Somebody come give me some quitting music or I'll preach all morning. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 16. All Scripture, somebody say all. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God said what he meant in his word and he meant what he said. Do you think that God would have allowed the translation of His Word to go forth like the King James Version Bible that was published in 1611 if it wasn't accurately stating His message to the world? Think about it. God doesn't set us up to fail. 
He would never allow a Bible claiming his message to stand for over 400 years with over a billion copies published if it wasn't the truth. Well, I've been reading what this person... Stop reading what that person said if he's trying to change anything that's in the Word of God. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every Word of God is pure. Say pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Oh, thank God for the shield. Do not add to His Word lest He rebuke you, for you be found a liar. We must be very careful that we never manipulate the Word of God to be more accommodating to us. When we choose to pose the question, well, did God really say that? Then we're no different than the people who chose Barabbas over Jesus. They had been worshiping and celebrating Jesus only a few days earlier, convinced that He was the Son of God, but yet now they question if he really was who he said he was. Do you remember how disgusted you were when you realized those people picked a criminal guilty of horrific crimes over the Son of God? Do you remember thinking, I would not have done that? The Easter programs, when we bring Jesus in here and we're whipping Him and we put Him on a cross and the, the pictures that you've seen and you see that going on and we sit here and we say, I would never do that. I would never do that. But every time a child of God turns their back on God's Word and allows sin into their life, you have a whip in your hand and you're beating Him one more time. How many of us have walked out of here on Sunday and before Friday picked someone or something else over Jesus? You may say, I'm carrying this a little bit too far, but am I really? Our decisions affect our eternity. I'm 67 years old. You've come too late to tell me that God's Word's not true. You've come too late to try to convince me that He's not who the Word says He is and that He won't do what He promised us He'd do. He's not the one with the problem. Please listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to say it. I've already said it one time. But you can't come in here on Sunday morning. And oh, what a wonderful job this music crew did a while ago, leading us into worship. You can't come in here and get down here and... Was that your brother that was hopping a while ago? I wish I could hop like that. I'm afraid if I hop like that one time with all of this, I'd hit the floor. I'm just telling you the truth. I, I don't think that would work for me, but I wished I could. I've seen people... My daddy used to dance like an Indian... An Indian doing a war dance, that's what I used to tell him. He'd drop his head and he'd go around in circles and he'd sling his arm. I've seen people worship doing the helicopter. Anybody ever seen people do the helicopter? They hold their arms out and they spin around until they crash somewhere. Brother Randy, are you promoting that? No, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm promoting. I'm promoting you getting to a place with God. As Pastor said in a message a week or so or two weeks ago, because I listened to him, you get to a place with God, so there's nothing between you and God. 
You don't have to go in there apologizing for nothing. You don't have to go in there saying, Father, forgive me. There's not one or two people you think about before you can get to that place and say, well, you know, they did me wrong. Honey, get over it. You're the one being held captive about it. They probably don't even remember what you did. But when you can get to that place, to where when you close your eyes, all of a sudden the spirit and the power of God begins to stir in you. And then you don't even care where you're at. I'm going to tell you, and you may say, well, Pastor Randy, I, I, I wouldn't do this. Don't say what you won't do with the Lord because you're going to have to do it before you get freedom. I can promise you that. But I was in the middle of Walmart one day, minding my own business, when all of a sudden, Brother Tim, the glory of God began to hit me. And I was walking down the aisle with my arm up just like this saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me. You did that in Walmart. I sure did. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of him at all. He's been too good to me. He showed up every time that I've asked him to show up. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. I could take another hour right now telling you of the miracles that he's done in my life. Like I'll say one. Just think of this. I was in Mobile. I was an associate pastor at a church. I was on my way to sing at two different funerals on that day. And in the middle of the two funerals going down the interstate, smoke began to boil out from under my dashboard. It was having one of those rains like you can get in Mobile when it was raining cats and dogs. It was just pouring out smoke and the car went dead and I rolled off on the side of the road. And all of a sudden I said, God, laid my hand on the dash. I said, I'm doing your work. I can't fix this car and there's a family that's hurting that's asked me to sing a song for them, for you. And I need you to heal this car. Oh, preacher, you didn't pray over the car. Yes, I did. I said, I need you to heal this car right now. In the name of Jesus, I turned the switch back on. The smoke went out the windows. It started up perfect. I drove that car three more years, and I never looked under the dash until I sold that thing. I didn't have to. It had been fixed by a greater mechanic than anybody else I could go to because I needed him, and he showed up. That same God is able to take care of the problem you've been facing. Bow your heads with me across this place right now. Be honest with me. How many in this room will say, Pastor, I've been dealing with some things and I need God to help me. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Yes, 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 all over this place. I'm going to ask you to do something. You may say, well, Pastor, we've already had altar time. I get it. I understand. And it was wonderful. But I want you to make a step today. I want you to, if you raised your hand and you need God to do something, I want you to stand up from where you're at. And right now, in the name of Jesus, come and line up across the front of this room right now. Come on. If you need God to do something miraculous in your life, if you're ready to say, I'll accept everything His Word says, I'll do exactly what He tells me to do, I'll surrender everything, I'll give my children over to Him and trust Him with them, Come and stand here right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah.